May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Is that it? Have you ever had expectations that weren't met? You go to see the movie that's getting all the hype and it's just okay. You go to the restaurant with the rave reviews and to you it kind of tastes like frozen food just heated up in a microwave. Or the young lady, the young lady expecting uh, the, the guy to be giving her the ring and the proposal when she opens up and sees it's a necklace, well, that's just not cutting it. And she starts to ask, maybe he's not even the one. Or there was that TV show with, with the episode where the guy had promised the second grade class that if they made it all the way through high school, he'd pay their college education. And by the time they got he couldn't afford it, so he wanted to give them each a laptop computer, and he couldn't afford that either, so he gave them each a battery for a laptop computer. Didn't quite cut it. And suddenly their hero was nowhere near. Or maybe it's just under the tree, the presence. You have your hopes built up for that one special thing, and it doesn't come. Or maybe for you it's bigger. Maybe it's your Christianity that doesn't seem to be paying off. That your life doesn't look quite like you'd think it should look if you are a child of the Almighty God with as faithful as you've been. For the last three weeks, our Old Testament lessons have been painting a picture of the peace and prosperity of what Christianity will look like when it is practiced And it's been beautiful, right? We had the the highest of mountains that everyone else would be be streaming towards. We had the the picture of the the lion laying down with the lamb where there is no animosity, no no attacking. And and now today we get the wilderness blooming and and, and joy crowning our head and, and sorrow and sighing fleeing away. So what do you think? Is that describing your life? In the explanation to the first article of the Apostles' Creed, we confess, I believe that God still preserves me by richly and daily providing clothing and shoes, food and drink, property and home, spouse and children, land, cattle, all that I own and all that I need to keep my body and life. God also preserves me by defending me against every danger, guarding and protecting me from all evil. But does he? When the bills pile up and the things break down, when evil sometimes seems to win, and I don't feel so protected, what then? In our second lesson, we heard James bring up Job. Remember that guy who lost everything? Boy, he, he must have known what this felt like when, when life doesn't look like it should. Today, let's find our answer for what to do when, when life doesn't look like it should. In, in our gospel lesson here, we can learn from John's experience. So this is John the Baptist 
Right, the guy that we heard in our last week's gospel lesson preaching with such absolute authority and power, calling the, the rich and powerful to repentance, bringing them to their knees with the power of God's word, and, and even pointing forward to the Messiah who was coming, who would be judging in, in even grander scales. I mean, John was quoting Old Testament prophecies, so he knew that they had to come true. Because they're God's word. He's pointing to Jesus. He knew Jesus was the son of God and the promised Messiah. No question. Until there was a question. You see, in this week's gospel, John's situation has since changed. Now he's in prison. So he can't even go to ask the question. He sends his disciples to ask the question. It's there. Are you the one? I thought you were. I said you were. But this doesn't look like it should. Look at this scenario. Look at this situation through John's eyes. The one that he knew was coming to make everything right was there. And instead of everything looking right, here John is in prison, and Jesus doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. John had been serving him, pointing to him, preaching him, preaching the same message as him, not backing down from anyone, even King Herod. John proclaimed the truth of God's word to King Herod, and that's what got John in jail. Herod's wife really didn't like hearing the truth, and so she, well, she was going to make sure that he was not long for this world. So here John is looking at his life, looking at the Messiah. And things didn't look like they should. So John reaches out to Jesus. Now, I'm looking at you, so I'm I'm pretty certain you're not in prison, but I think you can probably relate to John here. I mean, you do your best, right? You're here, that's... That's some faithfulness at least, right? And yet, does your life always look like it should? Satan's pretty good at making sure it doesn't. You know, we look around and we see other people who, who seem to be happier or healthier or wealthier or, or, or stronger or, or richer or, or whatever or And we start to ask those questions. What am I doing wrong? You know, I married the person that I thought would make me happy forever, but why does she always, you fill in the blank. I I do my best at work, but they just don't appreciate me like they should. I take the high road. I do the right thing, and then the person who takes the shortcut seems to, to win. You know what we're talking about? When life doesn't look like it should? John gives us a really good lead here when he goes to the right place. He goes to Jesus. He asks his question. When life doesn't look like it should, see who Jesus is. John says, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Understand what's going on here. 
Jesus didn't seem to be meeting John's expectations. John had prophesied the one coming in power who was going to set everything right, and things hadn't been set right. He certainly wasn't making John's situation right. What about freedom for for this captive? So look at Jesus' answer. It gets to the heart of this problem we have of expecting the wrong things. Of trying to make life about what we want. What we, for the moment, think is what we, we really need instead of what is truly important. Not too long ago, I saw a meme, or whatever you call them. It was a, a picture with a bunch of words over it, and, and, and it was a picture of Jesus. And, and it kind of got to the heart of what we're talking about here. It said, did Jesus not come when you rub the lamp? Well, then maybe Jesus isn't your genie. Did Jesus not give you exactly what you asked for? Well, maybe Jesus isn't your personal vending machine. Did, did Jesus not punish your enemies? Well, then maybe Jesus isn't your personal executioner. Did Jesus not, I forget what some of the other ones were, did, did, did he not make everything run smoothly? Well, then maybe he isn't your mechanic. You, you see what it's doing. It's exposing some of those false expectations that we have. And it's nothing new. Right? I mean, Israel was looking for a Messiah who would reestablish their kingdom and, and David's throne. Right? John the Baptist even seemed to be looking for a Messiah who would get him out of prison. The generic Christian of today wants a Messiah who is a good teacher, a, a moral example, a, a, you know, an inspiration for brotherly love. And even we faithful Christians sometimes are tempted to want to find in Jesus a made-to-order Messiah. One who's not too worried about the pet sins that, that creep up in my life, right? One, one who doesn't demand total dedication, but, but a, a loose, happy affiliation with him. One who answers my prayers and gives me what I want so that I'm blessed according to my definition. And then when life doesn't look like it should, what happens? Boy, we got to learn from John. Go to Jesus. See who he is. This is how Jesus answered the question. Verse 4. Go back and report to John what you hear, so Jesus' teachings, and what you see, his works. The blind receive sight, The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You know, Isaiah had prophesied what the Messiah would do, and John knew that. So what is Jesus doing here? He's pointing John to God's word and and, and to, to compare what he sees in God's word with what he's seeing in Jesus. What did God promise? Well, those are the things that Jesus is doing. He proves who he is, not by setting John free from prison, but by pointing to the word, just like with us. He proves who he is, not by doing exactly what we ask, but by pointing us to the word. And then he asks us to trust him, that the things that he is doing in our lives are for our good. Like James wrote in our second lesson, be patient. Using that picture of Job. 
Understand what Jesus is doing in his answer to this question. Go and tell John what you see in here, the, the, the healings, the, the miracles. He's grounding who he is in the word. The one promised, because that's what we need. Truth be told, John didn't really need someone to set him free from jail. He might have liked it, but he didn't need it. In fact, his being in prison precipitated his opportunity to go home to heaven. That's good for him. We don't really need for some of the things we, we ask for. They might be nice, right? The health, the wealth, the, the relationships. They're, they're wonderful blessings when God gives them to us, but when he doesn't, they're opportunities for us to trust in him. They are not what we really need. I need to see the one who can give them. The one who can heal all diseases, not who is necessarily going to heal this particular disease for me. I need to see the one who does have power over life and death and is going to use that in my best interest. Ultimately, I need the Messiah. The one that God promised to do what God promised he would do. So when life doesn't look like it should, see Jesus as this promised Messiah, the, 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 the one who, who fulfilled every one of those messianic promises, right? Born of a virgin, like Isaiah said he'd be. Born in Bethlehem, like Micah had prophesied. Raised in Nazareth, persecuted by men, his clothes gambled for, his, his, uh, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, hung on a tree, buried in the tomb of a rich man, rose from the dead like Isaiah and Deuteronomy and the Psalms and Malachi and the prophets said. That's what I needed. And that's who Jesus is. In fact, in our text, he says, blessed are those who who aren't tripped up because he doesn't look like they expected. Blessed are those who see Jesus. When life doesn't look like it should, see Jesus. And then, look at what happens in the rest of the text. When we see who Jesus is, then we can see who we are. John came with the questions. Jesus showed who he was. And then, notice, Jesus starts talking about who John is. He says, John wasn't some fickle, ear-tickling preacher who said what people wanted to hear. He was a prophet of God. John wasn't some fancy living for the nicest clothes and, 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 and his personal comfort. No, he was a prophet of God. He was proclaiming the truth, standing up to, to, to anyone in his way with that message of repentance. Jesus, or John was pointing ahead to Jesus, boldly preparing the way with his message of repentance. And so Jesus reminded them who John was. And I find it interesting that here Jesus calls John, John the Baptist, Previously in the text, he's referred to as John, but now it's John the Baptist. Why? Well, maybe Jesus is reminding them of of John's connection to him, right? John was the one who had the privilege and honor of baptizing Jesus. John's identity 
is all wrapped up in his connection to Jesus. That's what mattered when life didn't look like it should. And it's the same for you. In fact, look at verse 11. Jesus blows our mind with the, the truth of who we are. He had just said some really good things about John, and then he says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Greater than John, he calls us. You see, because John was at the end of an era, right? He was the last prophet pointing ahead to the coming Christ. In fact, Jesus says he was even more than a prophet because he got to point directly to, to Jesus as the coming Christ, right? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But John was soon to die. He wasn't going to see the fulfillment of all of those promises about the Messiah like we have seen. Jesus says, because of that, we're greater, even than John. We are a part of the fulfilled kingdom of heaven. Greater responsibility and privilege than than John. Once we see who Jesus is, he makes sure we see who we are. And just like John, we have God's powerful word as our tool. We just have the New Testament part of it, too. And we need not waver on it. Just like Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies of the Messiah by, by, by healing the sick and, and giving sight to the blind and, and hearing to the deaf and life to the dead, he will keep every promise that he's made to us too. All that we need for our body and life. All that we need for eternity. That makes you more than a prophet. You get to point to Jesus. You get to go tell it on the mountain like the kids just did. I'm so thankful for all of you that helped to do that yesterday with Christmas for Kids, giving those children the opportunity to see who Jesus is in his word and and in your love. And I pray God's blessings on you as you serve as that prophet in the lives of your family and friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, as you tell them about Jesus. Invite them to, to Christmas In fact, on Christmas Eve, the the theme of the service is, what child is this? So we'll be dealing with that question, who is this? And when we find the answer, we find out who we are as well. May God grant it in Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed printed in the bulletin on page... 13. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
You may be seated as we take this opportunity to give our gifts of thanks and praise to God in the form of our offering. As the offering is gathered, please do fill out the friendship registers that are being handed down the aisle. As you put your information in there, it better allows us to do what God has called us together to do. Encourage one another on toward love and good deeds. <laughs> 